0: spotlighting Hawaii's leaders.
1: We want to bring in Governor David E. Good
0: morning, Mr. Mayor.
1: Lieutenant Governor, good morning. Thanks so much
0: for joining us. Mayor Derek Kawakami. Thank you so much, uh, Senator, for being here.
1: Spotlighting the issues.
0: Where is the virus right now in our community? How much is this
1: overall going to cost the state?
0: How are you responding to the community's concerns? Talk about the level of citations that you guys are writing. Spotlight Hawaii
1: with Yanji Denise and Ryan Kalei
0: Suji on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Longstrugs. Happy Aloha Friday. Thanks so much for joining us here on Spotlight Hawaii. I'm Yanji Denise. Ryan has the day off today, but we have a very important conversation to bring you with a guest who has been on this program multiple times uh, since we launched in uh, 2020. Hard to believe that we've been on as long as we have and having these conversation a constant uh, in all of these shows has been Dr. Libby Char. She joins us now uh, in her last time with us as director of the Department of Health. Thank you so much for being here this morning.
1: Good morning, thank you.
0: Well, we are noting, of course, with the Ige administration coming to an end that a lot of the department heads are changing and we'll be talking about your future plans for the end of the program, but let's get to the news as we always do and starting with COVID. Um, When you look at the numbers and and where the state is now, how do you feel that we're doing, especially as we head into the holidays?
1: I think we're in an okay place right now um, with regard to COVID in the state of Hawaii. It'd be nice to see the baseline a little lower, but we've at least been holding steady, right? About 150 new cases a day. Um, we know the number's actually much higher because that only counts the tests that were administered, not the ones that are being done at home. But I think we're we're holding steady for now.
0: How, how much higher do we, you know, you had said before that, the, you know, it was maybe five times as high. Do we know how much higher it is? Because you're right that most people, if you test positive on a rapid at home these days, you don't tend to get a PCR or report it in another way.
1: Yeah, it's really hard to say because I think as there are fewer, you know, overall testing sites that are doing PCR or point of care antigen testing, uh, more and more people are doing home tests and they're so much more available um, and affordable these days. So Um, I don't know what the the actual number is, but I would imagine it's many fold higher than than the 160 we're seeing per day.
0: You know, when we think about covid and where we were a year ago, two years ago, obviously this virus uh, as it presents now is very different. Uh, just in terms of the risk and, and the results that it ha- that, that, that seem to happen. Uh, but that said, you know, when you read about what's happening internationally, there do sound like there are some pretty severe strains, especially when you look at what's happening in Europe and other places. What are you looking at when it comes to sort of projecting what is on the horizon for us when it comes to COVID and these new variants? Well,
1: I think one of the concerns is that the worldwide numbers seem to be fairly steady. Uh, but in Asia, we're seeing a, a significant uptick in cases, and that's particularly in Japan, China, and South Korea. Um, so we, we really need to keep our eyes open. and It's not over yet, as, as we keep saying. We'd like it to be. Um, Singapore had a huge spike thought to be related to one of the sub-variants, but they're on the way down now. And so far, what we've seen across the rest of Europe and the, and the world is, um, Thankfully, it doesn't seem like there's a lot more virulence attached to these subvariants that we're seeing. In other words, the, the death rates and the hospital rates don't seem to be you know skyrocketing from these new subvariants, although we know that they are able to evade our immune defenses, our first line defenses. Um, and so I think that may have something to do with more people getting infected, but thankfully not translating into a lot more deaths or severe illness. Um, that requires hospitalization.
0: You know, that said, we saw some numbers out yesterday. People are still dying in Hawaii from COVID. What are you seeing as sort of the common denominator for those people who do succumb to this disease?
1: Yeah, we we mirror the the rest of the nation in that regard, and it's typically um, older people, and especially those who are unvaccinated or who have not had a recent, you know, booster shot, maybe they got their primary series or they got one dose and and they haven't kept up to date on vaccination, Um, significantly higher risk for death in, in those individuals. And that's one of the things we're really trying to push is, you know, please, we have booster shots, we have shots available, it's free, go get your booster shot. And especially if you haven't had a shot in the past, you know, six months or more, absolutely go get your booster shot.
0: I mean, given that it is free and that's it's relatively easy, I got mine earlier this week and you just go online to, you know, whatever your pharmacy is, mm-hmm. you can schedule one and you're in and out of there in five minutes. Given that there are very few barriers, why do you think that the vaccination rate is so low? The last I read, I believe it was around 14%. I don't, you'll correct me if I'm wrong there, but um, why do you think that we haven't seen the uptake that we had in the past? You know, people were lining up when this first came out outside the mm-hmm. blaze doll and now you can't give it away, it seems.
1: I, I think it's a couple of things. Um, you know, there was a Harvard study recently, and I think they said that 30% of the population wasn't even aware that there was, you know, an updated booster shot, and another 30% had no idea who it was for. And so, really, that messaging piece is so important to say there. There's this new bivalent booster. You know, it's an updated booster since September. It's out there. It's for everybody age five and older. Please go get it. Um, it's a little bit more challenging to get your booster shot than it was when we did the very, very first round with the primary shots, because, you know, the federal funding is gone. And so we don't have, um, large mass vaccination sites that are you know, scattered throughout the community. And so I think it takes a little bit more um, intention on the part of all of us to make an appointment and go and get it. That being said, I mean, there are, well over a hundred places statewide that you can go get your vaccine. It's quick, it's easy, it's free. Um, This Saturday, Queens is doing a vaccination for the public. I think it's at Palama Settlement. Um, Hawaii Pacific Health is doing something at Kapiolani this weekend for for booster shots. Um, Kaiser has been a good partner all the way through offering vaccination, even for non-members. And then um, local pharmacies, community partners, um, Especially healthy mothers, healthy babies. They they have been vaccinating and even offering for people that needed more assistance. I think I don't know if they still have it, but they had been going to people's residents and helping them vaccinate. Um, so there, it's it's out there in the community. It's available, and just really want people to do it. I mean, especially before we travel, and especially before we gather for the holidays. Um, you know, it's a present to yourself. It's a present to your family members go get your shot. And by the way, you can get your flu shot at the same time.
0: Let's talk about some of those factors that are out there in addition to COVID. You mentioned the flu there and, you know, ahead of this broadcast, a couple of, I've gotten a bunch of messages from moms who say, please ask her about RSV. Uh, What can you tell us about flu season and also RSV? Because we're hearing, uh, you know, nationwide about this huge outbreak of RSV and how much it does impact young children.
1: Yes, what's interesting, um, RSV or respiratory syncytial virus, um, influenza and COVID are all respiratory viruses. Typically, there's kind of a seasonality to RSV and flu, um, and it's cold and flu season is usually about December, January is when it peaks, and, and nationwide and in Hawaii as well, we've seen a big bump for in October and November, which is unusual, it's really early this year. Um, RSV affects children more than it affects adults in terms of the, you know, the negative effects. Um, we're concerned because hospitals have been very, very full in Hawaii. Um, lots of kids, more kids are being hospitalized for RSVP RSV than in prior seasons. Um, it's, you can get vaccinated for flu. You can get vaccinated for, for, um, COVID, but there's no vaccine yet for RSB. I know they're they're working on it, but there's no vaccine yet. And in most of us, adults can get it, but you've been exposed to it from the time you were a baby. And so, you know, it may manifest as the common cold in adults um, and in most people, even you know, teenagers and older kids. But for the little, little kids, their airways are so small and some of them haven't been exposed to it before. And so oftentimes it's the little kids that are getting much sicker and needing hospitalization.
0: What are you concerned about? I mean, given that you know we, you did mention the holiday gatherings, we're all getting together. That includes young children, um, and you know all of us together. What are you concerned about if the hospitals are where they are right now with the pediatric patients? what are your what are your expectations or your concerns, you know after Thanksgiving and then as we head into Christmas?
1: Yeah, and that's a really good point because the hospitals are already full. Um Thankfully, in Hawaii, we still have capacity, and the hospitals are taking care of everybody that needs that needs care. Um, But certainly, we're seeing the numbers bump up a bit, and so we don't want this giant influx of of sick people. You know, it's the the same story for COVID. All the same things work. And so, above and beyond getting your booster shot and getting your flu shot, um, if you're sick, stay home. You know, nobody else wants what you have. Um, If if you're around someone and they're they're sick and coughing and not looking well, you know, create some distance there, because you don't want to get sick from them. Masks work terrifically well. So if we're going to be indoors and there's large crowds, wear your mask. Better yet, take the party outside. If you can You know, do it at Auntie's house on the Lanai, that's safer for everybody. So it's those same messages as, as years past for COVID. And I think that's why the numbers were so low for for flu and for RSV over the past couple of years with COVID because we were employing all those measures. Um, and so it kept us safe from all of these respiratory illnesses
0: now with RSV what is the treatment when these children are ending up in the hospital because they have that impacted breathing um, what what can be done for them is there medication or is it you know do we just have to ride it out
1: yeah so there's no um, specific treatment for RSV like like there would be for you know certain bacterial illnesses so it's mostly what we call symptomatic treatment and so you know when you get a cold if if you have a fever you take you know, some kind of anti-fever medicine like like a Tylenol or an ibuprofen or something. Um, And just making sure people are staying well hydrated and getting a lot of rest. And the little kids, when they end up in the hospital, sometimes it has to do with breathing problems. And so they may need support for for breathing um, up to including, you know, being on a ventilator and certain anti-inflammatory medicines. But for most of us, RSV will make you sick, but it's just like riding out a cold as you would any other cold.
0: Okay, I wanna bring in a question here from Heidi. She says, will hospitals be getting additional staff, nurses working double shifts is unsustainable. Um, you know, we saw Hilton, Hilton Rachel, uh speak recently about just how many people are now in the hospital, hospitalized in Hawaii post-COVID and that there's sort of a new benchmark, a new normal, if you will, that just we have a lot more people in the hospital than we ever have and it's not necessarily COVID related. Um, you know, you did mention that the hospitals still have capacity, but we do rely on a number of traveling nurses and other medical professionals. What are your concerns? You know, as we head into the holiday season, we are expecting, of course, more passing around of germs and viruses. About our hospital capabilities,
1: I think that's that's an ongoing um, issue and has to do with workforce and workforce development. Um, the hospitals right now are still utilizing some travelers from the mainland that come to work in Hawaii and augment the workforce here. Um, and I know that there is uh, a, an emergency order in place right now, or yeah, I think it's an emergency order that allows uh, nurses from the mainland who are licensed to come practice in Hawaii without first obtaining a Hawaii license, as long as they're in good standing. And so I think they're looking to extend that a bit more as well um, while DCCA is trying to work on some solutions to get people um, you know, credentialed and, and whatnot. So I think it's an emergency rule, um, admin rules. And so they're probably looking to extend that. Um, and we're looking on our end, there's been some legislation and some funding to help with the training aspect and and with um, hiring people who can help in the educational realm to educate more clinicians to stay in Hawaii and work. Um, and, and it's not just nurses I mean that it, it just spans all of healthcare and the allied healthcare fields as well as you know other professions are having a hard time recruiting workers.
0: Uh, let's talk a little bit about the holiday practices. I, I'd love I always like to ask you what your own protocols are because I think it informs the rest of us. you know I used to always ask you are you going to restaurants yet? I know you're super busy so the answer is always no. but uh, surely you'll be taking a little bit of time to be with friends and family for the holidays. How do you best approach this? Because um, it does feel like for so many of us, you go out and I don't see that many masks anymore as I used to. You know, We personally were traveling uh, to the mainland for Thanksgiving. We'll be masking on the plane. Chances are most others will not. Uh, so how do you navigate these? And, and what, are, what are sort of the own systems that you have in your family uh, as we head into this time where some people still think that COVID's a risk and other diseases are a risk and, and others clearly
1: do not? Yeah, it, and I think that's that's the answer. it's it's sort of looking at the risk. So you know, we can't live. We don't want to live in fear, but we also want to be reasonable. So it it really is you know how many at risk people am I going to be with? And if you know the elders in in the family are are at risk from health, then we need to be extra careful around them, and we need to make sure that that they're protected and that they're vaccinated and boosted and you know in 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 good health. Um, Family Thanksgiving this year will be at a relative's house and it, it will be on the lanai. You know, thankfully they have sort of a, a covered lanai. So that's going to be safer for everybody. Um, and then if anybody's sick or think you don't feel right, or you have a little bit of, you know, the sniffles or a little cough or something, then people have been really good about staying home so that we don't expose, you know, aunties and uncles to to germs. Um, and then just, just being cognizant, I think. And and when it's crowded or when we're indoors or something, we wear masks. And I think it's reasonable when we're sitting out on the lanai, we don't wear our masks and we all have a good time and socialize with each other. So it really is just that, just finding that balance between the risk and the benefit.
0: I want to bring in this question from Jay says is the vaccine shot considered to be a good thing annually like the flu shot now and if so I've heard things about the COVID vaccine costing an absurd amount of money down the line do you know anything about the cost for us down the line with the COVID vaccine obviously this is a question that perhaps is more suited to someone like Senator Schatz who is pushing for congressional funding. But, you know, given that it's free in the moment, it seems like now is a good time to get one. Uh, and, and do you expect that this is something that we're going to have to take every six to 12 months? What's your expectation for how this becomes part of our vaccine regimen, if you will?
1: So the White House was saying that they expect that this will turn into something kind of like a flu shot where it's an annual booster to, to catch whatever the variants are um, circulating at that time. Um, I think this is a great reason to get your booster shot. Now we don't know what's going to happen at some point. The vaccine will, will become commercially available, you know, and and the government will stop supplying it. But for now it's free for everybody. If you're five and older, go get your booster shot. If you haven't had your primary series yet, go get your primary series and then get your booster shot. But I think it'll probably become an annual thing. And, you know, I, I would hope that with, flu shots and everything else that that you know the insurance would help cover it um or somehow make it so that it is feasible for for everybody to to get their annual shot if that's what it turns into
0: you know, part of the sort of just the, the things that I've heard around town when you talk to people is, well, I already had COVID. I don't need to get the booster. Um, so many people did get COVID in recent months. It just seemed like every time you talk to someone, someone else they know was sick or had been sick and had recovered. And so they feel like they have some natural immunity. Um, can you tell us about sort of how you make that calculus in terms of when you should get the booster and if you should get it, if you had COVID recently?
1: So if you if you had a recent infection, then you should wait at least three months before you get the booster shot. It's still worth getting that booster shot. The data that's coming back now from um, from use of the booster shot and comparing it against various populations, like those who had COVID, those who had, you know, had had private uh, primary infections, those who were infected a long time ago, those who had two shots but not boosters, um, the booster shot that we have now in the U.S. is showing like five to six times more um uh antibody protection for the neutralizing antibodies so it's worth getting the other thing that's really interesting that i think should be tremendously impactful is that they're finding that with with this booster shot you know it minimizes your chances of getting long covid yeah. and to me that's that's so significant because n- most people don't think about long covid until you get it or you know somebody that has it, and it is, it can be life-changing for them. So if you can prevent ever getting COVID or ever getting long COVID, um, that's huge. You know, if, it, if you said it was just the cold and you just ride it out, okay, so be it. But if you have long COVID and it's going Im- to impact you, you know, for the rest of your life or maybe change what activities you can do, um, I don't think anybody wants that
0: yeah absolutely you know we've had dr dominic chow who runs the long covid clinic on here before and um the outcomes that he is describing for some of those patients it really is life changing for them and potentially uh you know for the rest of for the rest of their lives or at least for a number of years so uh, that is a good point i want to bring in karen's question here she says is there a test for rsv we know we can do a rapid test uh, at home for covid what about rsv
1: so there is a test for rsv um, I think the message here, though, is that we don't need to rush out and get it. Um, if children end up in the hospital, they're sick enough, you know, the little ones that they actually need to be hospitalized, um, oftentimes they will test to, to find out exactly what they're dealing with. But for the rest of us, there's really no need to get it. And especially for adults that are healthy, um, you know, if you have, if you have cold symptoms and, and you're sick and you have a fever and some aches and you're staying home it really doesn't make a difference because you're not going to be able to do anything differently anyway. And you don't need to get that test. You're going to treat it symptomatically. You're going to stay home while you're sick. You're going to cover, you know, when you're coughing or sneezing, you're going to wear a mask if anybody else is around. So um, adults should not be looking to get this test if they're normal, healthy people. Same for the older children. If they're normal, healthy kids, they don't need to do it. Um, the, The medical providers can tell you when you need to get a test. And it's primarily for the younger children, if they're really sick, or especially the kids that end up in the hospital.
0: And those kids that are ending up in the hospital, when we talk about kids, you know, obviously that's a broad range, anyone under 18, but you're talking about the real little ones. What's the age group that is the most vulnerable to RSV?
1: I think it's the youngest kids, um, certainly under five. I'd, I'd have to ask the pediatricians, you know, to really pinpoint that age, but but it's the younger kids that are under five. and. Um, You know, typically by the time you're about two years old, you've been exposed to um, RSV, you've probably had an infection or two. Um, But what we're seeing, especially related to everybody having been spread out and wearing masks and whatnot, that the rates of flu and, and RSV were really low in the past few years. And so I think maybe some of the kids that normally would have been exposed have not been exposed yet. That may be a factor in playing into some of this.
0: I want to ask you about your personal plans. We know that you took over the helm of Department of Health uh, under the request of Governor David Ige. He, of course, uh, his administration is coming to the close on December 5th. Uh, Tell us about what your plans are. Are you going to be sticking around or are you going to be moving on to something else?
1: Yeah, I think I'm really tired. I'm going to take a little time off and probably sleep for a couple of weeks. and then thereafter, I'll, I'll take a look around. I, I think it's time for somebody else to come into the department and to take over and start, you know, some of the rebuilding and whatnot. Um, sorry about that. That's okay. I know you're busy. Yeah, I'm not I'm not looking to, to stay at all. Um, it's time yeah. for somebody else to put some energy in.
0: Well, let's reflect back on just, you know, when you came in, of course, we were in a very, very difficult time when it came to COVID, a lot of mistrust in terms of what was happening at your agency and just, you know, a lot of public concern and people were really freaked out, if you will, about COVID. Um, When you reflect back on just your tenure in that job, you know, how do you look at that time and what are you most proud of uh, during those last few years?
1: You know, I think it was a really challenging time because there was so much that we didn't know. You know, we didn't know if this was something that was gonna go away after a month or if it was how badly it was gonna impact Hawaii. Um, and so just dealing with a lot of the unknowns made it made it pretty scary for a lot of folks and made it hard to, to really figure out how best to deal with it. Um, I think what I'm most proud of is that there are an awful lot of people here in the Department of Health and across the state um, that have been working really, really hard. And there were folks here, you know, into the wee hours of the morning working on data every single night. Um, we felt the results of the cuts from the budget cuts back in 2008, 2009, um, and, and the public health system and especially DOH really took some huge hits. And so all of a sudden when COVID hits um, and we hadn't rebuilt, we felt those cuts. And so we're trying now to of support and rebuild public health and i think the legislature would be wise to really invest in public health Mm -hmm. it's challenging because when public health is going well and things are going well we're invisible you know you don't you don't really think about the fact that you're going to turn on your faucet and get clean water out of there you don't think about the fact that we have standards for clean air and for safe drinking water and for you know vaccination in schools and all, all the other things that we have in play that keep keep us healthy. And I think, you know, that we as a state did a really good job. I think we did a good job with vaccination and it has to do a lot with the community. It's not just us, it's it's our entire community. And I think in Hawaii, we really still have that sense of, you know, it's not just myself, it's for my family, it's for my community, you do things for others. And I think that held us in really good stead through COVID because people were willing to pitch in and, and pull together
0: you know I, I, but I do want to acknowledge that you personally you know, came under a lot of fire you had protesters outside of your house. Um, just what has this all been like personally you know you go from being an emergency room physician and someone who's you know, helping to manage uh, you know, emergency response and, that, and that's your background to taking this very public role. suddenly everyone knows your name they're looking up where you live and, and trying you know and, and you're working all these hours. My understanding is that you only took a week off. Uh, in the entirety of your time working there. So no wonder you want to take a few weeks <laughs> off to sleep. I mean, what was this like for you on a personal level? Because it did become quite personal at, at some
1: points. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think the thing that probably motivated the most was just a sense of purpose and a mission. Um, and then having so many people in this department and trying to to be a good role model and, and pull the department together. And actually, to pull the community together, you know, to say we need to go in this direction, we can, we can deal with this, we can get through this, but we all need to pitch in. And so, I think because it was such a visible role, um, that was really stressful for me. I don't usually like being in front of cameras, um, but I really felt a sense of of purpose, and you know, somebody needed to be in this position and, and be pushing and pulling. And so, I kind of felt like. That's what I needed to do. Um, yeah I look forward to not being so visible and uh, being able to wander through Costco and and not not be noticed.
0: I, I think people are still going to come say hi but I, I do want to know what what's your best advice you know to the person who takes the reins from you what would you hope that they learn from your experience and what would you tell them?
1: I think the advice would be that you know it's been a really rough couple of years. Um, it's been a rough several years. We need to really support and rebuild public health. We need to rebuild those, those bridges and, and get those those relationships that we've created now between you know, the community partners and the healthcare sector. And we need to really foster those and make sure that we keep those um, really strong so that when the next thing hits, we have those relationships in place. We have the community already geared um, you know, with links to and from the department and we are one community. Really, we need to invest in public health now and we need to really enhance the framework that take the lessons that we learned from COVID and put them to good use. Um, If we just kind of sit back and say, we're glad that's done you know, and and take a break and move on, um, then we'll, we'll be unprepared for the next thing. So I think really take those lessons to heart, invest in public health, rebuild, strengthen it, You know we're going to need funding from the legislature we're going to need you know people to work you know there are so many people in the community get off the sidelines come and help a lot of people i think are interested and it doesn't mean that you have to work in state government Um, that's an option we've got a ton of openings across state government come work in state government you know there's some really good benefits here you can be a part of something bigger but There are other ways that you can pitch in as well, but just get off the sidelines and and help. Try and help. Do what you can. It can be something big. It can be something small. Go volunteer somewhere. Help a nonprofit, whatever. Help your neighbors. But but pitch in. We need a lot of help and we need to do it as a community.
0: Yeah, I love that call to action. We're almost out of time. So I just want to give you an opportunity for a final word in, in your final appearance on this program. And again, thank you so much for coming on so many times over the last few years. We really do appreciate it. We asked you so many questions uh, and you were always willing to come on and to be very forthcoming. So we really appreciate it. So just a final word for our audience today.
1: Yeah, I, I appreciate you know the role of of the, the media and what you and Ryan have done to help get the word out and to get, you know, credible, reliable information out to people and different perspectives. Um, really, I'd like to give a big shout out to the staff for going above and beyond these past few years. I have learned so much about so much from my team here at the Department of Health. Um, and just, there are a lot of people working really hard day in and day out. So, so my hat's off to them, kudos to them.
0: Okay, Dr. Libby Char, thank you so much for joining us this morning, and please do enjoy your last few weeks on the job and then those few weeks of sleep. We hope to see you in the community and and check in with you again soon. Thank you so
1: much. Thank you.
0: Always wonderful to hear from Dr. Libby Char, the Director of Health. Of course, she did say that when Governor Ige sunsets on uh, and a new administration is brought in on December 5th, that will be her last day as well. She says she is looking forward to some well-deserved rest. Uh, in, the, in her whole tenure as the Director of the Department of Health, she took off just one week for a family wedding and no other time. She worked long hours to try to keep all of us safe. She made some decisions that some of the community didn't like and took heat for that. But of course, you know, stayed steadfast throughout and really always constant and consistent with her messaging, get vaccinated, socially distance, wear a mask, stay home if you're sick. We've heard that time and time again uh, because she was just so committed to trying to help protect the community. You did hear her there, you know, talking about what should happen in the future to her agency and really pushing the legislature to fully fund Department of Health, saying that the cuts that were made back uh, in 2007, 2008 Really hindered the department a decade later, or a little more than a decade later, when COVID came to be, um, and we really felt the effect. Sometimes you don't see what is coming until you're faced with a crisis. You know, you heard her say there that public health is something that the public doesn't really think about and doesn't, you know, shouldn't think about when things are going well. But when things are not going well, that's when you really see any weaknesses there. And of course, you know, as we look back at the COVID response, we do see how you know having a really strong health department is so so important. Uh, if you missed any part of this program, of course, you can go back and watch from the beginning. She spoke about COVID numbers in our community, seeing about 150 cases a day. But she estimates that those cases are far, far greater because so many people are doing home tests. She talked about the importance of getting a flu shot right now because they are seeing an uptick in flu. And, of course, RSV affecting the youngest children in our community. Kapilani Medical Center you know, has said in the past that they are seeing quite a few children coming through their doors uh, with trouble breathing and whatnot. And Dr. Char saying all of these diseases really uh, are seeing a rise because we did listen to those, uh, those uh, you know, warnings and did keep our distance and did mask for the last two years. And now that we're all back together and mingling uh, and having gatherings again, we are seeing an uptick in these viruses. So please be careful out there. She did warn folks for the holidays, you know, of course we're going to gather and that is part of the fun and the celebration toward the end of the year. Uh, but say advising folks, you know, if you can gather outside, Go to the lanai instead of going inside. Be cognizant of those that you're around. Make sure that if there's someone sick in your family that you stay home. And if you see someone else who's sick at a gathering that you happen to be at, make sure that you maintain your distance as well. And, of course, uh, encouraging folks to get the vaccine. That bivalent booster is out there. If you haven't gotten a shot in about six months, it is time to get out there and get one. You can schedule one at your local pharmacy. Very easy. It's free. It's free. And one really interesting thing that she noted was that it is five has five times the efficacy in preventing future illness, as opposed to just having had the virus, that those studies are showing that having the booster is much more effective than having had previous infection. So if you think that you're immune because you had COVID already, maybe think again, talk to your doctor about when it's appropriate for you to get that vaccine. We always love having Dr. Char on. We wish her the best of luck in whatever comes next to her for her. And we will be watching, you know, she did take the helm of that agency at a very difficult time and led the state when we really needed it. So we appreciate her on Monday. We'll be talking with Rick Blangiardi. The mayor always has lots to say and we have lots of questions for him. Ryan will be back until then have a safe weekend and we'll see you right back here on Monday at ten thirty for another edition of spotlight Hawaii. Mahalo. This episode of spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Drugs.